one thing about this is uh, if we don't learn to have fun, <laughs> we will uh, we will really be tortured by the end of this. <laughs> this is true. Take four. Hello and welcome. This is episode one of We Don't Know What We're Doing, a podcast on the thoughts and misadventures of your hosts. I am Matt Austin from Fairfax, Virginia, and the other voice you'll hear is Joshua Crawford from Kansas City, Missouri. Hey, everybody. So, Josh, to get started, uh, let's give it a bit of an introduction. Uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself, and most importantly, how long have you not known what you're doing? Sure. I'm an electrical engineer. As you already mentioned, I live in Kansas City. I'm married. My wife and I have an 18-month-old son. We spend most of our time keeping him alive and uh, trying to make sure that he learns a thing or two along the way. And uh, the older I get, the more I realize that I don't know what I'm doing. So looking back, I'm going to say that that started roughly about the time I was born. <laughs> so you've been winging it your whole life. Yeah, and uh, the older I get, the more I realize just how much I'm winging it. <laughs> a good place to be. Uh, so to introduce you guys to myself, I'm Matt Austin. I am also married, uh, not quite as long, for two and a half years. Uh, I have an 18-month-old daughter uh, who we're trying also to keep alive. And I guess I would say that I've known that I haven't known what I was doing since about the end of high school. And since then, I've sort of kind of stumbled into all of that good stuff, and wife, a daughter, a career. And as you can probably tell from this podcast and how it's going... We still don't know what we're doing. <laughs> so, Josh, the idea of, uh, to start this podcast was kind of your idea. You were the one that texted me. So what were you kind of hoping to start with? What were you kind of hoping to do with this podcast? Well, you and I have had so many conversations before about things that God put on our minds or uh, things that we're processing through and learning about. And both of us have enjoyed writing at some point. Um, and have found it difficult with the demands of life to keep a consistent thing like a blog going. Uh, and I thought, you know, there's something really powerful and dynamic just about the spoken word, about two people having a conversation. And so I thought, hey, you know, let's give that a try. Let's see uh, what happens if you and I have a conversation and talk about the things that we have been thinking about anyway. And if that gives us the, the freedom and the venue to express ourselves in the way that we've been wanting to for so many years. <laughs> I, I feel like you might actually be calling me out here if only because I've recently just started to try to add more onto my blog on my website. Uh, <laughs> so now I have this, <laughs> this dual pressure on me of a podcast and a blog. Um, yeah. And I'm really excited about this. I, I think it'll be fun. I, with me, I tend to sort of sit on the outside of conversations where I can sort of observe and, you know, I'll have my own thoughts about it, but I don't necessarily interject them. Uh, so this is sort of my way of how do I participate in that kind of discussion? Uh, how do I force myself to be able to say, these are my opinions, this is what I'm uh, thinking on the sorts of matters? Uh, so, Maybe this will be a situation where the blog and the podcast will feed one another from a creativity standpoint. Maybe the additional pressure will just actually help you succeed. I hope so. 
yeah, so on the blog, I've mostly just been putting uh, sort of quick, you know, random cell phone images, and then I've also started uh, reading more lately. Just uh, I got a Kindle. I've actually hooked that up to my library card, so I'm trying to just check out whatever I can, whatever's available, and so uh, using that to sort of say, hey, I read this. This is what it made me think about. Nice. You'll have to uh, include some recommendations on the podcast, too. All right, we'll see. Uh, so to get into our first week's topic, uh, we're talking about how we decide our sources of news and media, like how we ingest those things and how we find that those affect ourselves. Uh, the genesis of the idea for this was sort of a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, sitting on the outside of another conversation with some friends. And this was sort of the topic of how we choose our media, what, you know, what is or isn't quote-unquote toxic, uh, what is good for us, and what would be ideal. And I, I think there were a couple of different ideas there where, you know, certainly everyone sort of thinks, you know, or will generally agree that, you know, if you're only getting your media from, you know, quote, one side, then you're not getting the whole story and you're, you know, likely on your way to your own partisan hackmanship. Uh, <laughs> although some people quite enjoy that. Uh, on the other hand, you know, some people are arguing that, you know, all of this media is essentially conforming itself to the pressures of the market. They're saying, this is what people want, this is what we're giving to them. And so it's becoming sort of this negative feedback loop where, you know, if that's what you want from one side, well, they'll give you more of it and even a little bit more so until, you know, you keep on going all the way off to one side or the other. And so I think uh, one... One general recommendation that I've, I've often heard, and I, I don't necessarily, it depends on how you do it, of course. So, you know, people will say, you know, well, of course, if you only watch Fox News, you're going to go straight to the right. Or if you only watch MSNBC, you're going to go straight to the left. And so there's sort of this implication that, well, you should just watch both and then you'll be balanced. But in that manner, it's sort of like saying you're unhealthy and you've only been eating McDonald's. So to balance that out, you need to eat McDonald's and Chick-fil-A. Like, you're still getting fast food. It's still not good for you, but you're getting variety, at least. <laughs> at least that's uh, my, my own sort of impression. I really like that analogy, because uh, so I, I will confess to the audience, as I, I have to you previously when we've talked about this, that uh, this is not a topic that I've spent a lot of time thinking about, and I suspect that actually a lot of people that might listen to us would be in that same camp. Uh, they get their news from Facebook or whichever TV shows they've started watching. Sometimes uh, some of the people in my office, for example, will even get some of their opinion, at least on the news, from comedians they watch. And a lot of these sources are maybe habits that we've just picked up and we can't even remember when we started paying attention to these sources uh, and haven't really given consideration to what other sources we might be taking in. In my case, like, I get a lot of my news through uh, the Google News page, actually. So if you ask me how do I choose 
my news sources? The answer is, well, Google chooses them for me. Uh, and of course, there's been a lot of discussion about this, I'm sure, in uh, some of the articles and authors that you've read also, and, and Google and Facebook are similar in this, their whole business, their whole model is structured around finding more content for you that they think you will like based on what you've already seen. And so their, their whole algorithm, their whole structure lends itself toward that increasing partisanship that you were describing, where if you, if you click on articles that espouse a certain viewpoint, you're going to get more articles with that viewpoint. So the interesting thing actually uh, for me is if you looked at my Google News page, you would probably actually come to a wrong conclusion about what my political uh, and spiritual viewpoints are because uh, for some odd reason, a lot of the articles that I have clicked on have actually been opposing viewpoints. And if, if I'm honest, I think maybe to begin with, it started uh, more as idle curiosity or even um, maybe some, some, some subconscious desire to uh, lampoon uh, or, or make fun of the, the opposing viewpoint. But uh, as I've read some of these articles, I have found reasoned arguments and, and valid points and things to consider on the other side of a lot of issues. And, and even if I find that I still completely disagree with them by the time I've finished reading or scanning through their article, I at least have learned something about how they view the world and, and what is important to them, what motivates them. So I, I think this is a really interesting topic, and I'm, I'm glad that you're bringing it up and that we're getting a chance to kind of think about where we do get our information from. Yeah, it's funny that you mention going to a news site to see something that you want to make fun of, uh, because I, I certainly do that myself. Uh, I've had a habit, uh, not so much in the last couple of years or so, but I've had the habit in the past of on my way into work, like, oh, I'll turn on talk radio to see what I'm, I should be mad about today. Um, and usually... I would get mad about what they were getting mad about, not mm -hmm. the actual initial thing. And I mean, it's not healthy. It can't be good, <laughs> <laughs> especially if you're using it strictly for that purpose. And it's sort of, you know, there's the idea of, you know, news as entertainment. And then there's, this is sort of like a subcategory of that where it's not, entertainment to make you feel good it's entertainment to make you mad about something yeah because anger and frustration is such a powerful emotion um you know many would argue and, and i would be one of those that it is not the most powerful motivator but it is an extremely powerful one and so people will tune in uh, uh, whether it's on twitter or instagram or facebook or their favorite news channel over and over again to hear people talk about the latest scandal. I honestly don't even watch the news anymore, so I'm actually probably a really bad person to be talking about this. Um, but I do end up catching CNN or Fox News or whichever channel is on a lot of times when I'm sitting in an airport because I travel a lot. And it always amazes me how they can keep talking about one story for hours like all day 
it's amazing to me, but somehow they do it and people tune in and they watch it. Yeah. So there's definitely the sort of, you know, what are we outraged about today? And I'll actually confess, as far as sources of news, mine is almost entirely online based. I haven't watched uh, willingly, at least, um, you know, without being held in an airport lobby, uh, any of the cable news networks or uh, what have you. Um, although a fair amount of that will still cycle down into you know Twitter and Facebook and that sort of thing, just because eventually that will be the oh, did you see what they said about this? Right, you're you're still getting influenced by it, but you're not going directly to to seek it out. Yes. Yeah, so it's interesting. So with Twitter, I sort of tend to I will cast a wide net where. A lot of times it will end up showing me, you know, the same person in my feed over and over. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll just give in and follow you. And then over time, I may or may not decide, okay, well, this is just, you know, this is becoming a waste of my time. Like, what should I, what am I really getting out of having this person in my feed? So I I will go back and call them later uh, just for sake of uh, some amount of sanity if I decide that I need that sort of break. Right. But it's interesting because we have to, it's very, but it's interesting because it's very hard that we have to uh, work to guard ourselves to see, this is what this is doing to me. Like, this is how I'm reacting. This is the sort of spirit that it's building within me. This is how it's training me to think and to react to things. And that's, to stay on top of that, to make sure that it's not leading us down this weird path. Uh, just in the general environment, uh, there's an example. There's a couple of articles in The Atlantic by uh, Connor Friedersdorf. On The original article was How Rhetoric on the Left Fuels Bigotry on the Right. And a lot of people, I remember, were fairly annoyed with the idea of this article and the idea of the, oh, so, you know, now it's the left part that, you know, all these people are racist and such like that. And, you know, the general argument is if you lump people that are sort of on the edge of that in with the greater worse group, they're going to fall over toward that edge. And he had a follow-up article uh, which included... Uh, one letter from, it was a college student who basically that's exactly what happened to him, where he was uh, on a very liberal, I think it was Duke University, very liberal campus where, you know, he essentially did not feel like he had the ability to uh, uh, present his views in those fora, and so he would go and find outlets for that that were, you know, further along the alt-right, and then eventually he realizes wait, what the heck am I doing over here? Like, what am I, how did I end up over here? This isn't what I wanted. And it was just, he realized it was just a reaction to that sort of thing. And that will happen on either way. Like, it's not just a, oh, the left is making the right or the right is making the left. Like, that's that's just sort of the natural, oh, you think I'm a jerk? I'm going to be even more of a jerk. Yeah, that can happen for sure. And another... um Another thing that I think also happens that maybe we don't consider enough is the power of of labeling. 
um, you know, like scripture says the power of life and or life and death is in the power of the tongue and that those who love it will eat its fruit. And so we've all heard growing up the, the rhyme, six and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And of course, that's a silly uh, truism. It's not true at all. Words do hurt and words do impact. Words matter a lot. There, there's been so many stories of kids growing up that despite difficult circumstances endured and went on to become successful and do something with their lives because of one adult who spoke kind words to them and who told them that they weren't nothing and that they weren't nobody. And we've heard a lot of stories the other direction as well of uh, people's unkind words resulting in people uh, committing suicide and, and doing other horrible things. And the truth is, what we do say does matter. And despite the maybe the, the popularity of the, the idea in America that because speech is free, we should be able to say whatever we want without limitation. Uh, the truth is, when you label someone, that label does carry power with it. And, and you're either uh, forcing them in that direction direction somewhat, giving them a little nudge, or uh, maybe inducing them to take a, a contraposition just out of a passive-aggressive reaction even. And I, I tend to be pretty right-leaning and conservative myself, so I am certainly not one to uh, argue against personal responsibility. And I, I think we can overblow the impact that a, a cultural thing has on people and, and we can be a little too sensitive. But I think to ignore the influence that all of the social media buzz has is just would be ignorant. So I think that the author is definitely on to something. Mm -hmm. So Matt, I have a question for you. Okay. Um, because you brought this topic up. As you've thought about it, have you found that you have been consciously changing some of your choices for sources? Have you been seeking out other sources or is it more that you're changing kind of the way you think about them? And then I guess the follow-up question for that would be, what are the signs that you look for to tell yourself, oh, uh, what I'm consuming right now is basically the audio or written equivalent of fast food. This isn't healthy for me, regardless of, of the flavor. Ah, that is a good question. I wish I really had a great answer for that. Um, it's, <laughs> Wait, it's you mostly, mean you don't know what you're doing? <laughs> I, I do not. I am mostly going uh, sort of by feel, where I I still tend to, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll cast a wide net and I'll follow something for a little bit. And then it's sort of, I will go away from it once I feel that it is either not interesting or just plain not good for me. Because those, those are actually two very different categories. Um, that is true. There are a lot of people out there with uh, very strong opinions and uh, even a lot of information that are just boring to listen to. And then there's uh, also a lot of people that may be interesting, but they, uh, they're vacuous. Yeah, or just 
in the end, downright harmful, where as the more you go, the more you realize they're just feeding me poison here. Um, how do I identify that? Uh, again, it's just sort of <laughs> by feel. Um, how would I do that? I'll have to continue to think on that. Um, <laughs> Maybe that'll be a follow-up episode. I, I I like what you said about feel because for me, like something that I noticed, uh, I, I like I said, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about this, but I did make a conscious decision several years ago to stop watching any of the cable news outlets. And the decision was primarily based on just the sense that I had that it was a waste of time and that I wasn't really learning anything. Um, but then, so I, I would, I continued to listen to a lot of talk radio. And of course, a lot of talk radio skews uh, to the right side of things uh, because apparently uh, liberals can't keep an interesting radio show going. I'm not sure. Uh, or they can't get the sponsors, you know. That's take what the talk pick. radio says. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I, I found as I was listening to some of those shows, uh, maybe the majority of, of things that were being said, I agreed with in concept. What I didn't agree with was the, the inner, um, uh, what's, what's a good word for it? Kind of the, the temperature of my soul. Um, you know, that it, it seemed like after listening to that, my soul was, was not at rest. It wasn't at peace. It was stirred up uh, like there, you know, there were storms on the horizon. And I didn't like feeling that way and living that way. That's why I quit uh, following a lot of the chatter on Facebook as well, because I could get a balanced diet in the sense that I got feedback from both the left and the right, but all of it was extreme and, and none of it was um, inducing me to greater grace, greater kindness, greater understanding. So uh, I found all of those things were harmful for me and it, and it was better for my outlook if I just shut it off. Yeah, that's and it sort of reminds me of uh I would say the same thing where there are a number of people that in general I would agree with the ideas or policy but I would absolutely loathe the way that they get there and the way mm. that they argue for it. There is one of the things that is the biggest turnoff for me is if you're a bad faith arguer where you're you're only interested in actually just winning the conversation so much as having a proper debate and being able to actually engage with the other side without mm. using you know, all sorts of fallacious attacks. Right. Where you start using ad hominem and, and logical fallacies and things that score points with the audience, but don't, don't actually, you know, uh, progress your argument in a logical sense. Yeah. There is a straw man factory somewhere that is doing wonderful business. <laughs> Yes, because they're throwing them out there and burning them on a daily basis. Yeah, it's funny because uh, somewhere on my church's website, my pastor is actually, there's a document that he has on there. It's uh, 20 principles for effective argumentation. And it's all the sort of things that you need to actually have in order to be able to pursue good faith argument and discussion. You know, things like hmm. actually being able to 
one of the key points is that you need to be able to restate your opponent's position in a way that they would find satisfactory. Mm-hmm. I mean, if nothing else, just as a proof of you understand what they're arguing. Right. And once you yeah. start to veer away from, from that when you're saying, oh, well, if you're saying this, then automatically you want to control X, Y, and Z. And, and you know, everyone's going back and it's like, no, we're not saying that. We're saying unrelated A, B, C. And you just have this sort of impasse where it's everyone yelling at each other and everyone on their respective sides are sort of saying, yeah, my guy's right. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously uh, this happens on all different topics and the entire social scale uh, from purely political issues to purely spiritual or sociological issues and everything in between. But the political spectrum is a, is a good example because people, I think, relate to this a lot. You'll hear on the radio or on the news, for example, somebody will say they'll be talking about a, a bill that's under consideration before Congress. And someone will say, uh, Republicans just want the elderly to lose their health care. You know, or, oh, Democrats just want to bankrupt the government. Well, actually, no, uh, neither side ever said anything approaching that. Now, you can follow their policies through to a logical conclusion, and you can come to that conclusion, possibly. But while it makes for effective sound bites, maybe, uh, it doesn't make for effective argument or, or winning people over. Yes, and I believe your example would be number two, the judgment of charity. Assume the best and most honorable motives on the part of your opponent. Uh, <laughs> I will include the link to the argumentation principles in the show notes. That would be excellent. Yeah, now, I think it's important to throw out here too, though. Um, while some of the tactics do turn me off, uh, I don't think, and, and this is Maybe a controversial thing to say nowadays, uh, but I don't think the fact that a position is extreme or radical or that the speaker holds it with conviction automatically makes the position wrong. Oh, certainly. And, and that's something that uh, I think is difficult for people to recognize. So, for example, say, uh, you know, one of the really hot debates and topics now in society is the whole issue of homosexual marriage. So if someone you know, were to stand up in the public arena and take the position that homosexuality in, in all shapes and forms is wrong, it's always wrong, it's never okay, um, it shouldn't be recognized, and uh, yes, it's a choice. In today's culture, that's a very radical position. And, and would even be labeled by some as hate speech. But in my opinion, if, if someone holds that belief and they can convey that belief respectfully uh, without using the logical fallacies that we've talked about and, and being able to understand the arguments from the other side, then that doesn't automatically make them wrong or, uh, or make them incapable of communicating. So I think that's important to remember because um, when I've talked with other people, especially younger people uh, coming up through junior high and high school, I find that there's this 
tendency almost to, to automatically label anything that is a firmly held conviction as being radical and extreme and therefore wrong. Like we have this, as a society, we're developing this in, inherent distrust now for anything that is radical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something of the sort of the fallacy of the average where, you know, you say, well, it's certainly not all the way on this side and it's certainly not all the way on the other side. It must be all the way in the middle. Right. <laughs> and it's not necessarily, or, you know, somewhere in the middle, but that's not necessarily a given. Some things are absolutely true on one side or on the other. Right. So that's one thing I was thinking about, too, when you brought this topic up, is one question is, where do we get our information from? But you kind of mentioned this before, that there's a there's a dividing line between what is actual news and what is entertainment. And I think there's another category, and that would be truth. And so what's interesting is uh, there are some TV shows, for example, that will uh, claim to be purveyors of truth, uh, but those that do most frequently are actually opinion shows, which by definition uh, are not truth. They're a perspective, they're an opinion, editorial. And then there are the news agencies, newspapers and and, uh, TV shows devoted to news, which they kind of promulgate this, this idea that because you're a news entity that you're somehow automatically impartial and that that impartiality grants you this this aura of truth that what you say is truth but really if a news agency or an individual is doing their job as a reporter by definition they can't give you truth they can only tell you facts they can only tell you what happened so we still need some filter some lens to interpret the the information that we take in from all these different sources and that's another aspect to this discussion i guess that maybe we should talk about in another podcast but you you need to be careful that you're getting uh, not only balanced information um, but information that's not inflammatory but you also need to to be careful how you process it and obviously we do a lot of processing through our family and our friends in our social circles. Um, but I think there's other influences too that maybe we're not even aware of. Yeah, it's a very, uh, very good point. Uh, because I'm sort of sitting here just thinking, well, now we're just another source of media. Uh, why should you, <laughs> why should we make it through that filter? <laughs> a good question. Only time will tell if we uh, if we strike your fancy in the right ways with the proper argumentation. Yeah, and I guess as we're approaching the end of episode one here, that's a good comment to make is, you know, why should you listen to us? Well, I would hope that um, what we share and what we say, you can relate to the stories that we will share about our family and about our kids. And hopefully you hear in us an honest struggle to figure things out because we're sharing our our thoughts and opinions and the things that we've learned but obviously we don't have it all figured out and uh we're confident that you probably don't have it all figured out either so we can all relate 
in that sense, in that way. And maybe by processing together and talking through things together, we'll learn something and maybe come away a little bit closer to that, that truth that we are seeking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's probably a pretty good, good wrap on our show. So uh, we'll sort of move into the outro. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. If you have thoughts, questions, accusations of heresy, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at wedontknow.info, I-N-F-O. You can hit us up on Twitter at at don'tknowpodcast. I tweet at at underscore Matt underscore Austin underscore so many underscores. Josh is at jcpoweree. And if you forget all that, it can be found at wedontknow.info, I-N-F-O. And we will be coming back at you in two weeks. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.